you must be at least 18 years of age to listen to the following podcast. Hi, I'm Robert Black, and this is Sexual Heroes, and I'm here with Dr. Jalen Ricks. Yes, thank you. And this episode that we're doing today is also going to be available on both the YouTube channel and the Sexual Heroes podcast. Cool. Wow. Fun. And we've talked about masturbation a lot in the past. And then a yummy cup conversation a great conversation one of my favorite topics and and it's masturbation month still so very appropriate today today i have another topic that we're going to get into but we haven't really talked about you me <laughs> and i'm really curious to know about jalen's uh how you get to be a sexologist <laughs> i in my m- mid 40s I went in to nursing school oh. and I wonder if I'd even known there was such a thing as a sexologist. Yeah. If I might not have pursued that instead for all the time, I, time, money, and energy I spent on becoming a nurse, which I'm sure has not ex- enhanced you as a human being. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you're not nursing now. So there's doing it. So I'm I'm great now. Huh. But you weren't, you know, eleven years old and said, I want to be a sexologist when I grow up. How does how does um Yeah, right, right. Um, you know, my path was uh at one time uh very much in the church, ministry, musician. My BA degree is in music composition, so I was I was doing the singer, songwriter, contemporary Christian artist thing. And even as I came out, I, I know it's hard to believe, even as I came out, um, I kind of moved niches from doing stuff in churches to doing stuff with the gay community, gay positive churches and things like that, because I knew their language. But my spirituality was going far, far beyond the church. And sexuality had been so such a no-no or so uh, stigmatized the first 20, 25 years of my life that as I accepted my sexuality and kind of blossomed into that, I realized that the whole world significantly has problems with our sexuality, mainly because of religious abuse and tons of misinformation. And I just really felt the pull to do something about that. I could have done it through my music, um, and I did. My my first out CD was called The Sacred and the Queer. And so it was a little conversation about spirituality and sexuality and stuff like that. But I was getting burned out on the music business. And I really wanted to devote all my energy to sexual health and helping others and things like that. I started just with... Uh, I didn't... I, I started to improve myself. I um, got... Uh, massage education and uh, trained in shiatsu and Swedish massage just because I wanted to. But I realized how integral, not just talking about sexuality, but doing it was very important. I gradually moved into sex work. Um, All of this was by conscious choice, not 
ever like, oh, how am I going to pay the bills? I better have some like my day, you know, or whatever. It was never like that. It was always very conscious and intentional. And I began to see people heal from it. I began to see people's lives transform simply because I was willing to be kind of a sexual role model and kind of say, hey, this is how I do it. And so at some point, I'm like, I need to get education under my belt about this. And so it, I lived in San Francisco. Uh, there just happened to be one of the um, best-known independent um, graduate schools for sexuality in the whole world there in San Francisco. So eventually, around 2000, I got I went into grad school, got my degree, uh, Doctor of Education in Sexology, which kind of enabled me to teach at the university level. Um, there was some clinical stuff in that, but I mainly, um, I don't know about you, but when I find with um, my work, the vast majority of it is misunderstanding, is misinformation. So even though I had the skills to be hands-on and even got certification as a surrogate and a sacred intimate, um, I felt the most, the best I could do is get an education degree rather than a therapy degree. And uh, certified to do sex therapy, got all that and everything. But, um, uh, you know, uh, I didn't go the psychotherapeutic route because I knew that if I was locked into that, I wouldn't be able to touch my clients or they wouldn't be able to touch me. And I just feel so strongly that it's not part of the problem is that we think we can get an answer on the Internet and everything will be fine with our sexuality. And maybe it will help us. But... Um, sexuality is an experience and that means sooner or later you're going to have to get a little experience under your belt or uh practice at it or develop some skills and um i in my work that's a lot of what i do is help people hone their skills and i imagine a lot of it is issues that come up are about receiving touch yes and so if there's no touch involved Right, <laughs> what you get You cannot get that off the internet. Right. Yeah, and uh, I mean, if a couple comes to me, uh, most likely um, we have the option for the three of us to interact. But it's always about them. I I'll usually just give them homework and send them home because as a couple, if that's if that's the focus of their why they're there, right. I want their practice and their stuff to be for them, and I might help with that. But I'm, I'm always concerned about translating what happens in my workspace, my office, out into the real world, because that's, that's where the good stuff is. <laughs> uh, some people who have this very religious upbringing, they can never get away from it, and it can yeah. destroy their life. Yeah, but that didn't happen for you. Thank God. <laughs> uh, it certainly wreaks of havoc. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, at this point, after decades of therapy and all, uh, I can look back on the good and the bad and sort that out and glean what I want from spirituality to be a benefit for me. Um, but I had to go through a lot of uh, therapy and self-examination, uh, uh, massages even, to um, uh, sort out what was abuse, what was beneficial, and, um, you know, how can I turn this into a uh, positive thing in my life? Therefore, my first book was about my journey through um, going through the whole ex-gay conversion therapy thing. And um, 
consequently, I, a lot of my clients come see me and they have a religiously abusive background, but you know, we live at least here a lot of my clients, we live here in America and it's almost a foregone conclusion that one way or another, we have had religion negatively affect our sexuality. So we all kind of walk around with a certain amount of wounding and may not even know it simply because of the culture we live in. Oh. You also made a comment about going into sex work, but it wasn't about, oh, I have to pay the bills. Yeah. You came from a place of desire. Yeah. Of wanting to help. Yeah. It, it just... I mean, I was paying the bills too, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that's you know, but, but, they were exclusive. But some people do. Yeah, sex work to pay the bill. Totally, and okay. that's not bad either. No, not at all. I I didn't mean to make it. it doesn't happen that way. Yeah. Oh no, no. Yeah. But I just want to. Yeah, that's, because, that's a great clarification. Because there, there is this sort of feeling that doing sex work to pay the bills. Right, is somehow invalid. Is somehow, well, invalid and sin, sinful right. and wrong. There's all this. Oh, you must be so desperate but, to be a sex worker, yeah. right? That bullshit. But my question is, how many people have a job they hate <laughs> and they go to it because they have to pay the bills? <laughs> I just did it for the past 10 years. <laughs> and, you know, I went into it thinking I was going to love it and it very what's the word altruistic it was sure you know i wanted to help people and and i found out it was not about that and it was just a terrible experience but i stuck with it for 10 years because i had invested so much in it and i had to pay the bills so right there's nothing inherently wrong no not at all. doing things because you don't pay your bills uh th there's a term that gets passed around within sex workers circles and especially with coercion and trafficking and uh, they call it, they tend to call it a survival sex. You're going to have survival sex so that you make sure you pay the bills. And yes, there are people who are homeless and on the street and they have no choice. And we need to not criminalize them. Yeah. We need to create options. options and resources for them so that they don't feel like they're going to be arrested by simply going to a community center to say, I need some help. But if they are doing sex work, there are places in this world that would automatically put them in jail. So, ah, uh, don't get me started. Well, there's so many Okay, so, fascinating. Yeah, and thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. All right, as well. Now I have all this knowledge so nice to me. And so there's a specific topic that I wanted to bring up today with Jalen, and that is exhibitionism. <laughs> Because I'm turning 60 this year, and I remember you choose Art of Yes, thank you. Oh, 63. Yeah. You're, oh, yeah, 63. Yes. I'm like, wait, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and I have seen this evolution take place since AOL started. <laughs> I remember getting on AOL and in these rooms, Many of you watching this are like, what the hell is he talking about? Right, right. Dungeon M for M. Uh, all these different. Right. That was the one I would have. Hey, AOL is the very first, earliest internet community to go to. Yeah, it was sort of like a, 
hodgepodge social media connection. Kind of doing it all for the first time. You know, we would ride in on our dinosaurs and then get on it done. <laughs> but the thing is, back then you didn't have profiles. There was no Instagram posting all these pictures. It was very, there was a wall. So it was all text-based and you could describe yourself, describe what you were looking for. You know, could be lies, could be, you know, I just, I just never knew. Yeah. Although I will tell you, I actually met more people and had lasting relationships from that than I'd ever heard um, from social media, modern social media. I wonder if that's because it was so new, we hadn't even thought of ways to use it badly right we're just like so excited oh my god i'm connecting with this person on the other side of the world yeah yeah and it really really was i think it changed a lot of lives to be able to make connections and find out there were other people out there like right. um so it was a great thing i'm not the only one that has a balloon fetish what yeah yeah <laughs> but putting your picture out there that was a huge deal so most people didn't have pictures or right. was right. Certainly you wouldn't have your face and your naked body there. Right. And so what I've seen over the years is going from that, that, that fear of putting any image of yourself out there in connection with your sexual identity and physically showing your naked body. It went from none of that yeah. to now this is Palm Springs, so I you know, if if I go into a grocery store, I'm like I've seen him naked, him naked, him naked on my on my new tumble feed or my right whatever or right or just on Twitter or wherever. Like everybody's everybody's naked. It's and kind of like a rite of passage now for anybody who's sexually adventurous to have some place safe, whatever they call safe. To show themselves, show to express their sexuality. Yeah, uh, I uh, uh, talking about exhibitionism. Uh, you know, up until the the internet really started getting into full swing, like in the past decade and a half. Even before then, the idea of the word exhibitionism was a legal term uh, of illegal behavior. You know, and the. The traditional, there's a guy in the park with a trench coat and he'd walk up to someone and he'd flash his body. Yeah. And I don't, I don't recommend that either, right? <laughs> Here, here's the difference. <laughs> one involves consent. Right. And one does not. Right. And, and so the pathological one in, is right. a situation where somebody's involved who hasn't consented. Right. Uh, so to expose yourself to somebody when they don't want right. you to do that, that's... And as that happens on the internet too, people send pictures without checking first, mm -hmm. and you know you hear you hear the sex negative you and all. Oh God, he sent me a dick pic already or whatever. It's always something that, I mean, I think sexual expression needs to be a lot more matter of fact in our society. We we um, it is helpful to human beings to see what other human beings look like. And to see what other beings, what other body parts look like, and even activities. It is a natural desire for us to have a positive experience 
and want to share it with others, right? That's what social media is all about. You have a halfway decent breakfast, and you're like, look, here it is on my Instagram, right? But somehow when it comes to set, oh my God, that's crossing such a line. I used to have colleagues that said, um, you know, uh, you can get an R rating for shooting a woman in the breast, but to touch a woman's breast lovingly, oh my God, that's an X rating or an NC-17 or everything. And it just shows you how bass backwards our idea and how willing we are to censor our sexual expression. Yeah. Exhibitionism itself. When you say someone's an ex exhibitionist, it did mean in the past it was pathological. Right. And it was somebody mental illness. Right. Right. Do we use the same word now to describe somebody who likes to put their naked pictures out right. there? You show off. Right. You show their sexual. Yeah. You know have a wider sexual expression than maybe others. Um, I think it really, at this point, at this time in culture, I think it really depends on who you talk to. Because there's certainly plenty of people out there who still think exhibitionism is wrong. And um, so in the way they use it, yeah, they're probably using the legal term. But I think more and more it's just becoming, and especially with the pandemic and everything, yeah. it's oh, almost like... It, it, in, in the... Um, and there's still a lot of laws on the book. What, what about the, the um, diagnosis guide, the D? Oh, the D, DSM. Yeah. Yeah. Is is exhibitionist? I think that's the, the guy that determines what's mentally ill and not right. Not so much to um, not so much to pigeonhole you, but to get insurance. So they can yeah. say this is a pro a real problem that deserves to be well, funded by insurance. That's but that's yeah. very, you know. It's yeah. become very, very controversial yeah. because, you know, they had, they would turn anything sexually out of the norm as a fetish. And that's another word that's going through a wine of transformation now. Would someone who just likes to have a Twitter feed where they're showing their naked self, would that, according to that guide, would it still be pathological? Do you know? I, th I think it's still in there. It's, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's still in there. And having that desire to do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Now they might, they probably at some point will go back and adjust it to make it pathological, like someone who's exposing themselves without consent. Um, I don't think they've changed it. I haven't heard. I don't think. Added. Yeah, I think it's just, you know. And I have to say, now I consider myself an exhibitionist. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, me too. And. Even I, I kind of have, it, there's this little voice in the back of my mind that says I'm a pervert. You know, <laughs> even though I'm not doing it, I'm not exposing myself to anyone who doesn't want me to do that. Right. But there's still that voice in the back of my head from, right, from wherever that comes right. from telling right. me that it's weird, but I am not alone. Right. No, no, no. Uh, and we're also learning about sexual arousal, that there are certainly, um, negative things that can generate our more arousal and one is transgressiveness so the idea of like me showing someone my erection has this feeling of like oh you probably shouldn't do it but that actually eggs makes our arousal even stronger and so you know uh, we, we see it online now, you know, and I do it too. I get off in nature all by myself and I set my camera up and I, I feel so 
um, actualized to be sexual out in nature, I'd videotape it. It's not my intention that anybody come, you know, I'm, I'm so off by myself. It would be very rare that someone would find me, but there's always that possible, you know, the dance between risk and exhilaration is really what I think eggs us on to express our sexuality, yeah. especially with, with turns of exhibitionism. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm on Chatterbait. Now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I also have the Just for Fans page. But but making a video that people are going to watch later is not as... it It's fun, but it's not as fun and exciting as being... In the moment. In, in the moment with a live audience yeah. and having an interaction. Right. And for whatever reason, I don't feel that charge that i kind of go the other direction i like to be able to kind of play in the setting and go for it that way knowing that i'm safe i would feel safe in camming but um oh god too much work <laughs> you know and that's just your different you know tastes it is fascinating <laughs> it is so have we always been like this or do you think the availability the the ability to do it and and people seeing other people do it and it just kind of created this or 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 is this is this just a natural thing and we finally found an outlet yeah i i i think it's mostly that in that we're always uh, we're always evolving. You, that's why the DSM has to be updated so much because there's tons of stuff that they used to have that they said was sickness. They had homosexuality out in a DSM, and they even not took it out about to just a couple two three decades ago, and they took it out. And all that shows us is that we are evolving mentally. And I, my take on that is kind of what I alluded to earlier is. Um, it is natural for us to have a positive experience and automatically want to share. Hey, I had a great time, a great time at Disneyland. Here are the pictures, right? But we have shut down our sexuality to have any kind of way to express itself. To any, you know, I, people are even rare to find a friend that they could go to coffee with and talk about their sexuality. That's how shut down it is. So to have this safe space on the internet which you know safe space is very debatable to have but have these outlets in which that make us feel safe so that we can express our sexuality we have been waiting for this for centuries so i i think it's an an important natural step another step in the sexual revolution that we're having over the past hundred years that we can say i and i think the other line is I am proud of my sexuality. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Therefore, to express it, to have a place to say, this is who I am sexually, is very powerful, I think. Yeah, I'm not saying that everybody has to do it, but to, you know, after 25 years of shaming and hating myself for my sexuality and my uniqueness, to find a place where people go, I love that, and that's hot, and I'll pay you money to see it. Yeah. Wow, that just, you know, that feels so good and so affirming. And if anything shows us, it don't matter what you look like. You know, you can be any shape or size, you can have any kind of fetish, and there's an audience. Yes, there's an audience for yeah. you. 
Yeah, which is beautiful. Yeah. Another thing I noticed, because for the past 10 years, I've kind of put my sexuality kind of on the back burner. Because of my career, I didn't want it. I didn't want to be that public. Makes sense. And now I'm noticing that people I see online showing it all and making their sexual interests clear to everybody. They're doctors. Yeah. They're not lawyers. They're, they're registered nurses. They're, I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I think, I think the next cultural challenge we're going to have that's going to come to a head is are we going to discriminate those people because of their sexual beings? Are we going to say, you can't be a doctor because you like to show videos in a, if behind a subscribe site, you know, you're not just putting it out on Facebook or whatever, you know, that you are doing it in a respectful way. You're not exposing yourself to kids or anything like that, but it's right there under the surface, you know, and um, I, I have a friend who wanted to be in a video and he, he works in the medical field and they have an ethics guideline, which is like, okay, so we're discriminating on the basis of sexuality. I think that there's a, it's only a matter of time that that's going to have to come to a head. Well, that's going to, that's going to take a lawsuit or two. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Who's got the time for that? <laughs> or the money. The, the right person will come along who's been, yeah. who's been unfairly treated right? and will have the resources to discriminate against. Yeah, uh, they might enlist the aid of an organization that has some, uh, some heft. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I think someday, in my opinion, uh, I think someday when it says you cannot discriminate on the basis of sex, that won't be just about gender. But that'll be sex. Right. People should not be discriminated for their skills or for their talents simply because they're sexual beings. That's crazy. Well, I think it's going to be a while because yeah, we're dealing with stuff that I thought we already went to bed long ago. Exactly. Yeah, it's just yeah, yeah. But that's the way it goes. That's the way it always has been. We kind of move ahead, back and move ahead, back up. In my opinion, so um, um. I want to be part of the change. That's part of why I'm a sexologist. Yeah, well, I guess that's kind of why I'm doing this. Yeah, yes. I'm good for it. <laughs> it's also interesting now, uh, you know, I do events, uh, masturbation events and things like that. And I've now had, you know, most of the time people think that at those events, you know, we're just going to dive right in, right? And even if it's just self-pleasuring, there's no insertion or anything like that, that it's okay to just, I mean, I have to, I have to emphasize consent there as well, because people assume that touching this stuff is okay. And it's, it actually need we still need to ask. And I have had people who come to those events that don't want to be touched at all. They are into the exhibitionist side of it. They, they don't mind being watched. They enjoy watching, but they don't want to be touched. And at first I thought, Will they have fun? Will, you know, will they, you know, will it be, is it worth their while? And it is, it totally is. And, um, 
that's that's where they're at. That's how much expression they feel comfortable for. And I want to provide those safe spaces for it. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, John. <laughs> so I'm one of those people that <laughs> likes to go to a masturbation event, but I'm more into just exhibitionism and voyeurism. So I really like watching other guys mess around, masturbate, whatever, and I'll I'll masturbate. Yeah. And and that is fun. I don't like my masturbation interrupted by somebody else taking charge. It just breaks the whole link for me. And I've talked about right. that in other episodes. We've talked right, right, right. right. Um, and th- different groups have done have have recognized these gradations, right? And have done different things. Like they'll have they'll have little wristbands. Red is don't touch me under any circumstance. Yeah. Blue is ask first. Yeah. Green is you know Noel's Bard. But the problem with that is, first off, it doesn't enhance communication. And I feel like we need to practice and say, hey, can I touch you? But if I forget the colors, I'll look at the fan and I'm like, I don't know what that means. No, can you help me? What? <laughs> All right. Well, so I wasn't going to bring this up in this episode, but I'm organizing a Palm Springs Jacks uh, group. So Jacks clubs are all over, well, all over the world, really. And so I want to get one going here. It's a masturbation club and they have regular meetings. So I'm working on that. And I, I do, oh, palmspringsjacks.org. If you want to check it out. It hasn't started yet. I am doing some wristbands. So a a green and a red one. Uh So, so yes, consent is key. Yeah. Even on a masturbation. Right. And even the wristbands don't, shouldn't mean that we don't communicate about that. Well, here's what I'm doing. The wristband is optional. So if somebody doesn't have a wristband, you're going to always ask for consent. You just, you can't do anything. You can. Yeah. Right. Right. The wristband is shorthand for people who want to give a universal consent or present a universal boundary. Right. So, cause there, I notice, yep. cause I, I've been to Jalen's events or one of them and I noticed that a lot of guys, they really, they are fine with anybody touching yeah. them. Yeah. They're, they're not going to say no. And so there's a, a lot of this, can right. I, can I, can I? And for them, I think it might be more fun to have a, a green wristband, knock all those questions out and just right. make everybody aware. It's it's clear. Go, go ahead and touch it. I like that. I like that. You know, there are times I want that, right? You don't have to right. just go for it, you know? And it feels, feels very all access and that somehow, you know, again, there's that bit of transgression. Oh, do I want to give them a hot? Fuck yeah. You know? So that, I think that, I think that's totally valid. Yeah. And then the red band is for someone like me who, who doesn't want other people to grab me there and, but they can touch me somewhere else. And of course I'll have to ask, but. I just don't want to be touched there. Mm-hmm. And so rather than me having to constantly deny someone that request, uh, this way it's just out there so they, they know, and then, then I don't have to stress out about it. So, right. so I'm trying it out. We'll see. We'll see how it works. Cool. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, but yeah, so you also have events that you yes. are done now. Yes. Yes. Um, um, things are getting really busy. I'm, uh, I I have a in just a week we have the Cox Summit, which is just a weekend of baiters getting together about fifty, and going off into uh, the high desert and 
going to town, which is great. It's sold out. Um, at the yeah, beginning of June, I'm taking a dozen guys to Indonesia for us for us to float around on a boat naked all week and and uh, snorkel and explore um, the area as well as ourselves. And um, I'm really excited about that. Uh, things that are not sold out <laughs> is uh, I'm doing uh, the first cock summit in Europe, in Germany in August. And another a dance weekend in which we use dance as a form of healing and connection. All of these you can get naked at and everything. So lots of fun. And this episode, of course, will be available on YouTube and 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 my podcast long after these events are over. But you have look me up. You have events going ongoing and sure. And I'll have links in the show notes so that you can check out. And see what's what's going on currently. It it just occurs to me that there is a link between exhibitionism, which was our topic today, and the masturbation. Oh yeah. So it so it does kind of all tie together. Yeah. Yeah. So it's no wonder that for me that those right they're so right important. Yeah, I mean you know if you're if you're if the sex you're having is with another person in the room or both of you are on camera, there's just a whole lot more to, uh, you know, just the double, it doubles your attention. It doubles what you're doing. It, it gets complicated very quick and looks sexy on the camera. But if, uh, why I think I tend to gravitate towards like more masturbation videos is that, you know, uh, there's usually, you, you know, when, when there's like a polished porn video, you know that there's a director, there's camera people, there's lighting, there are all these people, and the director's doing this, say that, and, you know, that, and no, nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, there's hot stuff there too. Yeah. But a masturbation um, video, personal, yes, and all, you know, probably there isn't anybody else in the room, and all you just know that all they're trying to do is be their sexy self in front of the camera. And some people, you know, I'll, I'll pass by videos that, you know, they come and there's no expression. Yeah. And you're like, oh, did I miss it? What did I, you know, um, you know, no, nothing wrong with that or anything like that. But the ones that, you know, I'm not talking about screamy or over the top or anything like that. But the ones that seem to be really coming from a place of expressing their sexiness. Oh, my God. I love to watch that. Yeah. Yeah. Too. So, and so I tend to feel like, and it does kind of feel like they're doing it for me, right? They're doing it from the camera, but they're ultimately doing it for me. And other porn stars are doing it that way too, but um, it just seems like there's more authenticity. Yeah, maybe for me. Well, at having done porn for a decade with studios and now doing just for fans and Chatterbait, where I'm, I'm the sole right content creator. It's more real, right? You're saying because it's just it's me in the moment. I'm controlling everything. I'm doing it. I'm doing what I want to do in that moment because I want to do it. And when you're doing studio porn, you know, your foot might be over there because someone just told you to put it there. It may not be comfortable, but you're still gonna fuck even though your foot's hanging over the edge. Like it's just it's just it's not. Yeah, it's right, right. I think it's all expression. Whether there's a director, where there's a whole crowd of people, 
it's all um artistic expression yeah and um and when you think of it in porn is art porn is art and when you think about it that way the whole hullabaloo of, oh this evil thing that could capture you and take you away it's just art it's just art and yeah we we can get carried away when we can enjoy it just because we can enjoy any amazing piece of art but um um for me the more authentic i tend to gravitate towards that stuff if masturbation is good and sex is good then why is putting it on video real bad artistic images of it just are not horrible I, people write stories that that's good and then they make them into movies and radio i mean i just don't it yeah it's something. yeah and i think i think this is all an evolution of our sexual education over the past hundred years we are you know we are we are light years ahead in technology and energy and nature and biology but somehow oh one woman one man or it's just all that it just it's not gonna hold it's, it can't hold so i know um, if I, I know i hope yeah it. it will not hold i'll yes i'll put it out there <laughs> Um, but it's a very, it's a very exciting. I can't imagine living at any of the time. It's exciting. I want to be part of the change. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to share about yourself, exhibitionism, <laughs> masturbation, any any sexuality? Um, I must say that probably part of the reason I feel so good as an exhibitionist is it you know it feels so life affirming when we whether anybody is watching or not. When we can take what we've experienced as a positive thing and let it out, oh my gosh, it feels great. And um, whether people are watching or not, um, that's how important self-expression is. So um, I think it's just natural, whatever you're expressing, that that bleeds right into sexuality. It just makes perfect sense. Thanks. (laughs) Thank you for joined God. me today as always a great discussion yeah and thank you yep thank you for watching or listening to sexual heroes and all the links will be in the show notes okay bye bye